Revolting is produced by The Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at The Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. Is revolting with Stevel and Robot on the Cycling Independence episode. Oh, I fucked that up. Let's count in again. Sorry. <laughs> Three, two, one. This is revolting with Stevel and Robot on the Cycling Independent episode seventy-eight. Walking on sunshine with Amanda K. Bryan. Content Hello. warning, stuff's going to get hectic here. We don't censor ourselves or avoid sensitive topics like earwax buildup or glue sniffing. Uh, if you're the sort of person who gets your undergarments in a tangle over stuff like that, uh, you better find a, a more suitable way to spend the next hour. And with that, fuck off. <laughs> Good morning. We have uh, now entered the profanity-free, <laughs> profanity-full zone. Oh, we were going to do, we uh, were talking, uh, at one point, we are gonna. We we're talking about trying to do a whole new episode where we didn't say any bad words the whole time. And I wrote notes for that. I can't wait. I keep blowing yes. it, though. I love bad words. I love my, bad words. My idea for that show is it's going to be completely family friendly. Instead of a content warning, we're going to have people bring their children in. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Going to be so good. So we have uh, Amanda K. Bryan with us this week. I'm so, I'm so excited about this. <laughs> I love Amanda so much. And it has been we've been working to try to coordinate uh, sit down together again. Well, you like you were the first. And only other uh, guest, and like episode thirteen or something, you came and we talked uh, all about. You and I shared a mic. We basically like I sat on your lap. I think that's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but now we uh, we are we're far more professional, and um, I'm really happy to have you back. You've had yeah, thanks for having me. You've had a a whole bunch of change uh, in the time since you last sat with us. That is true. I completely changed my life. I feel like I blinked and I just, I have a whole new life now. <laughs> yeah, you do. Oh, hey, look, and there's even notes about it. Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a goddamn professional. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not BFFs with Amanda, but I'm a goddamn professional. I, I've done research and I've prepared topics that are Amanda specific. Here we go. Ooh. I'm going to read them then. Uh, for this episode, we have with us uh, Agent of Chaos, Smiley Villain, and all-around stone-cold homie, Amanda K. Bryan. Uh, if you've listened to, listened to the show for any length, you've heard Amanda's name come up. Uh, maybe even listen to the episode she joined uh, joined us for last year when we discussed problems uh, regarding chamois and vulvas not getting along. Uh, she's been an industry road animal for some years, formerly for the good folks at Kona Bikes, and now with Industry 9. Uh, and North Carolina, West Coast girl, went to North Carolina. On that East no. Coast. 
Yeah. Now I don't I don't know you very well. We did discuss vulvas at length last year once, but we haven't. You know, I don't know you very well, but I, I, through all of my research, I felt like Smiley Villain. Uh, that one made me laugh. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's a new one. I like that." <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I mean, I put energy into this shit. Steve just comes on, and he's just his charming self. I work at this shit. Uh, I thought about that today. You do. You put. Uh, you do a lot of heavy lifting, and I just breeze in. And hey, I'm here. What do you want me to do? And then I'm gone, and I don't think about it for another week. I think you're what's called the talent, and I'm, which is also the word they use in porn, by the way, but I, um, and I'm like the gaffer. I'm the best boy. You're the foundation. You're the rock that anchors this whole shit show. Uh, you want to just, you want to just jump right into this? Wait, do we know? Oh, no, I got to do music pick the week. I'm sorry. I'm new at this. Yeah, we're, uh, you're new. Uh, Seventy-eight hours later, we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna have music picks. Amanda, I hope you want to share some music with us. Yeah, that, uh, that you love and have been listening to. So we're gonna do that. Yeah. Then we'll take a break to extol the virtues of our sponsor, and then we'll come back and we'll we'll do a hard hitting interview, sixty minute style. I love this. Let's yeah. do it. Buckle up. So who's musicking first? Uh, you're the first on the list. I think you should you should do it. Okay, I'll do it. This week I'm picking a hardcore band from Denver called Candy Apple, and I received tidings of Candy Apple from a listener and uh, and homie uh, Dr. Raymond Epstein, who furnishes me with as many new music ideas as I furnish to my friend Steve Knievel. Candy Apple is an absolutely brutal band. They have an album out recently called World for Sale. It'll hurt your ears real good. Um, uh, what more can I say? I, there's not a lot of information out about them, and it seems intentional. It's like they're saying, fuck off, don't listen to us. And I'm like, oh, God, you know just what I like. <laughs> I did do a little bit so of a, I did a little investigation and uh and uh because I like anything from Denver except for Big Head Todd and the Monsters. Uh and uh, they're uh, they they're they're angular. They're trying to hurt you. Yeah. No, it's good stuff. Uh yeah. okay, Candy Apple World for Sale. Uh the harp, the punk rock dentist has come through. With a new suggestion for us, I appreciate that. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm going back to 1997 with the Deftones' second release, "Around the Fur." Uh, I didn't want to buy uh, CDs. I didn't want to buy CDs. All I ever wanted to do was buy records, and then tons of music was being put out and on CD form. And so I finally, in 1997. If I was to own any of the Deftones music, which I very much enjoyed, I was going to have to buy a CD player. And I think Around the Fur was my first Deftones purchase. Um, and and they are having a little bit of a resurgence in popularity, or at least their first couple of records definitely are, which is kind of interesting to me to see, you know, 20-somethings going apeshit for the same music that I was going apeshit when I was a 20-something. 
Uh, and I've also it's one album, but then I've been enjoying a bonus track on the follow up Diamond Eyes where they do uh, a Drive Like Jehu cover. They do Caress, which is almost oh. as fucking brutal as the original. So one album plus one song. And there's my pick of the week. Love it. My contribution will be going on three or four years now. My favorite band, Destroy Boys. Uh, it's a Sacramento-based uh, punk band, and they just released a new single, uh, Beg for the Torture, and I think it's really fantastic. <laughs> I was like, hmm, really like that name. Um, I Yeah, they've just been like a huge fan of mine, and I actually got to see them in Seattle. I think it was just a little, about a year ago. Uh, and I, I liked it cause it was, it was at an all ages venue. And at first I was like, Oh, this is going to suck. I don't really want to go hang out with like a bunch of underage people. Um, but while I was there, it was like, actually just made my heart swell because there was like 13, 14 year old somethings just running into the mosh pit and like losing their absolute shit. And they'd come back and they'd like make eye contact with their parents. And like, you'd look and there'd be these like old, yeah, I don't know, like old punk rockers. And it's like their kids are out there just doing the same thing. And they'd be like, give them the thumbs up and they'd turn around and run back in. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm happy. I'm witnessing this. And that's wholesome. Shit. On, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. I loved it. I was like, all right. All right. And the, the band is, they just, they put on a fantastic show. What destroy boys, destroy, destroy boys, boys from Sacramento. What's, uh, what's the, what's the makeup? What are they c- comprised of? Do you know anything about the band's lineage or anything? I like don't that? actually. Okay. No. Um, like, are they a nine piece? Oh no. <laughs> it's so it's three. It's, uh, the, f- I'm not sure what they identify as, but, um, they have like, there's, it's a three piece. So there's a drummer, a bass, a singer who also plays guitar. And it's like what I believe to be two femme, like leading women. And then the drummer is like a masculine presenting human. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, they haul ass. I, I think they're fantastic. We're big. I love a three piece. We're big fans. Almost as much trios. as I love a two piece. Also they're great. Also Check them great. out. Uh, so we got we got two three pieces, one from Denver, one from Sac, and another four piece, five piece, I guess, uh, also from Sac, and that's fucking exciting as shit today. I like it. Thank it's you. A lot of pieces for one revolting. Thank you. All right. Thank you for your contribution. Very much. We put you on the spot there. You're doing great so far. I mean, it was, uh, it's, it was perfect timing because they just released the single, and I've just been like kind of looping it in pretty consistency since they put it out. So, <laughs> well, good news. They're going to be rich now that they've been hyped on the revolting radio podcast show. Uh, awesome. All right. We're going to take a very quick break, and we'll be right back to go deep with Amanda K. Bryant. Three, two, one. Go Shimano. We're back. Uh, Yay. Dude, <laughs> okay, so what, uh, let's let's just let's talk about you, Amanda. It's been okay. t- it's been two months since you left. Just over two months. January, you left Bellingham. Yeah. To, to North Carolina, you left your family at Kona Bicycles. I know they miss you de- desperately. Uh, and you went on to make a whole new gang of acquaintances and friends and family with Industry 9 in North Carolina. What the fuck? 
Yeah. Wait, should I ask that question first? That's kind of over. That's kind of broad. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, you, I was just going to make the observation that I, as just an observer of your life via the window, the very tiny screen of Instagram, your life looked one way uh, in Bellingham, and then you moved and made this giant change. It looks the same. <laughs> it's all... <laughs> pictures of people on mountain bikes smiling and seeming to have a good time oh yeah i don't really care what's going on i do try my best to just be having a good time like even if like shit's kind of hitting the fan and there's just chaos and nothing's really working out i just try my best (laughs) to just create something good out of it i mean I think a lot of people would call that like toxic positivity, which side note, I'm like not into that. But then here I am being like, spread spread joy everywhere you go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that I think the distinction I would make is that toxic positivity is like when the people uh, buy their own bullshit. True. Whereas the other kind is like, ah, this really blows. Let's set something on fire. Like, I think that's different. That's a different kind of positivity. Yeah, I guess so. Because it's like just about everything can be funny, depending on your humor and how you want to approach something, you know? And so, yeah, I just I feel like I just showed up. I just showed up here and was like, well, this is how I live my life. Well, like, thanks for having me. I'm here now. (laughs) Did you, uh, you feel like going into this new environment? I mean, it was a, you were, there was a job waiting for you and I would reckon that you probably already had, uh, some connections or acquaintances or relationships there, but did your reputation kind of precede you a little bit? Like you showed up and everybody's like, oh yeah, this fucking, this chick's a total psychopath. Let's get after it. (laughs) They all had on rain ponchos like they were going to a Gallagher show. Um, I actually had zero connections at Industry 9. I had zero connection to Industry 9. I didn't know anybody who worked there. And I also had no connection to Asheville, North Carolina or North Carolina. I was just ready for a career change. And Kona didn't really have enough room for that. Not that they didn't want to. It's just with, you know, time and circumstance and... Me being a pretty impatient person, I found the job description and applied for it and went for it. And uh, I they did not know who they were hiring. (laughs) Um, The I hope I don't know how to say this without it sounding like braggy. So I apologize in advance. But the owner, Clint, he's who's he's just he's a wild man in his own respect. But he actually was like. He's like, oh, I actually didn't even know that we were going to hire you. And then suddenly one day, like my phone just started ringing and he's like, I had more people reach out about me hiring you than I've like ever really had with any other employee in the past. And he's like, he even asked me, he's like, what's your secret? What do you do? What, what makes you so great? And I was like, nah, I can't give you all my secrets. <laughs> I thought you were going to say so. he was getting calls of people saying like, oh, no, fucking abort. Like the bad, bad <laughs> restraining <idea>. order. Restraining <laughs> I did. I told him I was like, oh, man, those people are lying to you. They're setting you up for something. <laughs> I've known you now for, I don't know, 10 years, maybe. And I would say that. um Probably you? closer to eight. Huh? Probably closer to eight years. Oh. Because I met you Corrected. at my be- 
Yeah, Pardon. I met at the beginning of me working at Conan. I was there for eight years. Okay, okay, then eight years. We've no kids today. I was that uh, facts product facts. Product, product, product launch. I round. I tend to round up. Uh, so it's been about twelve years, I guess, that we've been friends. Fifteen, one maybe. And uh, one <laughs> thing that I've recognized uh, in our myriad of interactions is that I would much rather be on your positive side, like on your good side than not. I'm, I'm basically, you have scared me into friendship. Oh my God. You're (laughs) making me sound like a demon. (laughs) This reminds me of uh, this thing I read about Gigi Allen one time. Someone asked Gigi Allen's uh, self-professed number one fan where the best place to stand at a Gigi (laughs) Allen show was. And he answered behind Gigi. (laughs) That's not that's where you don't get the poo flung on you. Yeah, that's where he can't he can't get you. Yeah, no, that's not. I I exaggerate a little bit, but I do uh, I do um, respect you. I respect you, and I might be a little afraid of you. Hey, okay, so Joe Fish, we've talked about the game on this show a lot, and um, and uh, I brought up the guy who taught me the game uh i then carried that to a kona launch and i taught everybody and then you proceeded to game me for about three years and i just got fucking decimated like i could not hold anything around you and you'd always allow enough time to pass where my guard was down and then i then i'd get fucking gamed like and it was relentless like you the the teacher definitely became uh the the student no the student became no the student became the teacher they switched places big time (laughs) Uh, i'm assuming that your regular listeners know about the game at this point everybody knows about the game yeah oh i was working at the i was working the bar a few weeks ago and this guy pulled out his id and his buddy knocked it out of his hand and they started laughing he's like oh fuck you and i was like oh you knew you know the game and he goes everybody knows the game i have no idea who these dudes were they're like from montana or somewhere so well, I will say it does not seem like people know the game here in North Carolina. And I have been just kind of like eagerly awaiting like the most opportune moment to just be like, <laughs> and then have everyone be like, what was that? Yeah, I think what kind of psychopath are you? I think yeah, yeah. I, I can't wait. I can't wait for Industry 9 to to take over. And I can't wait for somebody to like consistently spank you with your own antics. The best, uh, the best game story I heard was the one you said where you taught it to uh, a a couple that you're friends with and their kid. Oh yeah. And the 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 mom like the kid brought donuts to school and the mom reached out the window and up gamed the donuts onto a passing van yeah. and then said, have a great day, sweetie, yeah. and drove off. Yeah, Strider was just <laughs> fuck Like, what the fuck? Like, standing there watching his box of donuts drive down the road. I, I had breakfast with Robin when I was in Portland last month and I, I, t- I reiterated that story. And she was like, yeah, I don't think he's ever forgiven me for that. Uh, bad things happening to the children is the best. <laughs> um, all right, let's get out. Let's get after this before we get too deep into digressions, which we already have. Uh, first, tell too us late. how you got into bikes. Then maybe uh, you'd like to choose to 
uh, you try to choose to scratch a living out of this particular pasture. Like it was one thing, one thing led into the next, I guess, like most nine balls in the bike world. Uh, yep. So my, as I guess it's just like a female, I guess my path into the bike world is kind of similar to a lot of people. So I met my now husband and our second date that we went on, he took me mountain biking for my first time. And on that second date, I came out of the woods with, I think I had like a bloody chin and my elbows were bleeding and my knees were bleeding. I was just bleeding everywhere. And I remember, uh, he was like, I'm so sorry I brought you here. <laughs> He's like, you, it looks like I just beat you up. Um, and I just remember being like, that was, that was incredible. I want to do it again. And it was on like a Gary Fisher, who cooey, who, who cooey, coo. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. So it was just this like rigid 26 inch had like, you know, the little bar ends. Um, yeah. So I just got my ass handed to me and absolutely thrashed. And I was just kind of obsessed with it. And then, um, I got a hard tail and then thought that I was very into like cross country stuff. And I thought I wanted to do long distance endurance bike packing things, but then would go up to Squamish and terrify all my friends by throwing myself down rock rolls and cliff sides and stuff. Um, and then so that turned into like getting a full suspension bike. And that my first full suspension bike was a Kona Process 134. Um, absolutely fell in love with it. And then because I had that bike, Kona decided to open up a retail location and they hired the then manager, Matt, Matt Hoffmeyer. And he knew me from Seattle and he just kind of randomly called me and was like, Hey, do you want to come work for Kona and open up a bike shop? And I was like, I've barely been riding bikes for a year and I don't know anything about retail. And I'd absolutely fucking love to move to Bellingham and open a bike shop. And so it's, and then, yeah, I just feel, I feel like I've just kind of tripped my way into the bicycling industry and that's just kind of what I'm continually doing. So, yeah. We call that falling ass first into success. Thank you. And I think I'm going to steal that. I think it's a, I think <laughs> it's that's a, absolutely what happened. Yeah, it's, a, it's an appropriate <laughs> description for most anything that goes right in my life. Uh, especially when you're not necessarily looking for it. And then suddenly, which sounds like in Hoffmeyer's, I mean, Hoffmeyer obviously saw, saw you for what you were going to bring to the table, which benefited Kona in a multitude of ways for a multitude of years. Would you call that infectious enthusiasm? Amanda? Do you have (laughs) infectious, bulbous, infectious enthusiasm? Sounds something you'd need to get an injection to fix <laughs> yes. i know and i i feel god i like feel, now that i know what i know about the bike industry i do feel really lucky that i my intro to it was it was with kona because they were like a hundred percent did not want me to be anything other than me and that was really exciting. Cause I, I don't, I was like very much, I was trying to find my place in the world. I was working like three or four jobs and half-ass going to school and had no idea what I wanted to do. And then I was just kind of like welcomed in at this company and be like, Oh, I can just be my like wild, crazy, spazzy self. And not only is it accepted, it's like encouraged, um, applauded even, I guess it's, it's to some degree. 
which is weird because I'd be like tackling people off their bikes and everyone would be like, bravo, you're doing a great job. That's the sort of spunk we appreciate here at the Kona Bicycle Company. <laughs> kind of encouraging yeah, questionable behavior. I mean, it's it's absolutely if you you wouldn't have to just to think of um, uh, to think of a, any number of companies that you could have ended up working for. And that wouldn't have jived at all. So our friend Sally, who was the product manager at Raleigh for a number of years, he runs the Hodala Gaggle Boondoggle. Uh, he was the what was the job he was hired for at Kona? Was that product management? Uh, he was doing he was doing some like marketing and communication stuff. Okay, so the first year. Th- that I was in Squamish for the Kona launch was Sally's first year working for the company. And uh, there was some kind of a, any rate, an event or a bike race or something. And I watched Amanda tackle Sally. It was a running, um, it was a running tackle and folded him completely in half. Like in the air, Sally kicked the back of his own head. And I thought I just watched two people die. It was, (laughs) horrifying until i realized that no one was paralyzed and then it was amazing and that was, that was of, where that uh, was where amanda conda was born was that joe gave you that nickname yeah yeah joe joe hamilton was like it was started out as amanda conda supernova and then amanda conda <laughs> just stuck <laughs> now i think i told steve and maybe ashley when we all spoke together recently that I had devised a different wrestling pseudonym for you, which is Commanda Brian. (laughs) Commanda Brian. (laughs) I feel like that would be a really good roller derby name. Yeah, I did go to roller derby recently. Perhaps it all just happened. Oh, another I just since we're on roller derby, if I ever join it and if the name's not taken, I do, I I would love it if my name could be Cleopatia. Oh Jesus! <laughs> just you have a little legal pad where you're writing all of this stuff down, right? I do. I do. That's so badass. I always wanted like a good like like a like a good nickname, you know, like like a, or drunk like a drunken alter ego name. Those are great. Uh, I know you really want one. You tried to, <laughs> I remember when you asked, you tried to give yourself one and we're like, no, you can't do that. Yeah. I've tried a lot of them on for size and none of them, <laughs> none of them work. None of them quite fit. No, no. And like, sometimes mm-hmm. I'll, sometimes I'll find one and I'll think like, oh, it's just like heaven sent. It was just serendipity. And I'll, I'll use that for like a day and it won't work. It's not. Some, I mean, you've, what's that? you've already got Steve Knievel. Don't be greedy. Well, uh, yeah, my friend Sarah gave me that uh, years ago when we were messengers, and then it kind of went away, and then I kind of came back during Swobo days. Um, But a drunken alter ego and a nickname are not the same thing. You know, like Amanda isn't always Amanda Conda. She becomes Amanda Conda. Dan Cheever, when he becomes Stan Beaver, thank God Stan Beaver isn't always Stan Beaver. It's just when... Dan Cheever tips a few. You know what I mean? 
So. That's very funny because my friend Mark Weaver becomes Dark Beaver. I hope he's listening. <laughs> dark, dark Beaver. And dark and Beaver. Stan Beaver should get together and see. I think they what should. What kind of sparks fly? Woo. Woo. Uh, so we. Uh, Amanda, would you would you say you're more fish tacos or chimichanga? Uh, that's one question. And the other question is: Have you ever laughed hard enough to shoot beer out your nose? But do the chimichanga fish taco one first. Which? Fish tacos. Interesting. Interesting. Yep. Yep. I love a good burrito, but for some reason, when that burrito gets fried, everything inside of me just becomes angry and I pay for it the next day. And yeah, then you do it again. <laughs> yeah. But so I'm like, if I, if someone was like, for the rest of your life, these are your two options, I'd go with fish tacos. I guess it is a healthier uh, version or a healthier option. Certainly. Oh, I wish that I could just chomp down on a chimichanga whenever I wanted, but then I just always shit my pants the next day, mm. and I'm just well, I just can't well, do it. It's just angry. It's angry. Well, same, but I have this stupid. I have this like sort of pig-headed like this is gonna fuck me, so I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have that with pizza. That's my okay. like. That's another one that I'm like, I can eat cheese and be fine. I can eat bread and be fine. I can eat cheese and bread together and be okay. But the second it comes together as, as a pizza, fucked. Oh, maybe it's the fucked. sauce that's causing you problems. Yeah, maybe. But I can have like oh. spaghetti and like I can do like, yeah, just spaghetti, like a spaghetti dinner. We're doctors. So listen to us. Yeah. Um, and so have you ever laughed hard enough to shoot beer out your nose? Definitely. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. No, not this week. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately. You recently told oh. a story about taking Sage for a walk and Sage rolled around and found some human poo in the woods. Oh my God. You, you wrote that down in, in less than a paragraph and I, it made me laugh so hard. I might have shot like a tiny bullet of pee into my own pants. <laughs> And I also had that experience. <laughs> I, I took a screenshot of it just so I could. <laughs> just so I could relive it. <laughs> I had multiple people from Kona also send me a text of just being like, God damn it. We wish you would have told that story live in the office. <laughs> well, here's your chance. I would I would like to hear the, the blow by blow. Okay, so there's this place here. It's called Shope Creek. And I took Sage there for a hike. And we came back down to the parking lot. And he was nowhere to be found. And I was like yelling, yelling, yelling. And I just kind of like knew. I was like, he's getting into something bad. And so he finally came back. And he's like licking his chops. And he quickly like jumps in the truck. I get in after him. And I shut the door. And he's licking his chops. And I'm like, what did you get into? And I reach over and I grab his mouth and like bring him to my face. And I'm like, before I even like have a chance to like sniff, I knew what was going on. And I was like, <gasps> and I instantly was like, <gasps> and I looked and it was on my hands. <gasps> and he had rolled in it and it was, <laughs> it was in the truck. And so then I get out and I didn't, my, I was hiking with a coworker. And so I get out and I open the door and I instantly just started throwing up everywhere. And he looks at me like, what is going on? And I'm trying to tell him that I'm like, my dog ate human shit and it's all over me and it's all over my truck and he was like he just looks at me and he's like 
I'm going to let you figure that out. And he just got, he just didn't offer to help or anything. That's a lot. And so then that's I, a lot of weight to carry for a friend. I know. I know. So then, like, I try. I was like, okay, well, we have to, like, we have to leave. And I was like, there's a creek, like, just down the road. I'm going to, I'm going to have to just get us to the creek. And so I get back in the truck and I smell it and I see it. And so I th- start throwing up again and I threw up so hard. I pissed my pants. I pissed my pants. I was just like ralphing and just peeing. And it was like, I couldn't, there was no controlling it. There was a, there, it wasn't like just a little, like a little pee and you're like, oh, and you like tighten up. It was just like full on running down my leg while I was just like throwing up everywhere. And so then I had to like drive home. Smelling like pee and vomit, and there's human shit everywhere. Oh, That's... your misfortune! Oh, I just—I uh. was so mad. I was so mad. And somebody at I nine, they were like, "There's no way all of that happened. There's no way." And I was just like, "You don't know me very well yet. Of course, all of those things happened." I, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know what I would do in that situation. I think I would set my dog and my truck and myself on fire and just fucking call it. Like, I was so ah. angry. And I just went to the creek and like pulled him out and like got him as clean as I, as I could get him. And I cleaned myself up as best I could and drove home with the windows down and gave us both a bath when we got home. But I was so mad. That is a- I have been in this situation. Horrifying uh, thought. I have been in this situation uh, without various parts of it, uh, the funnier parts. Uh, but like I, I have my dog has done not my current dog. My last dog had a real penchant for uh, finding ho- finding horrors. Uh, that's a bad it, dog flaw. It, that's it. It's really wild. Is. You know, dogs sense of smell is ninety five thousand times greater than a human being's or whatever. So they like. They all they're seeing is like what that used to be. Like it's like, oh, it's by Seven Eleven nachos and night train, and I'm gonna get uh, some. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what it could possibly be. I just don't, and I don't understand. I don't understand. Eat it. I don't understand. This is cologne. I want this. I'm, I don't understand it at all. And I love my dogs. I have loved my dogs so much, but it is the moment where you're like, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to destroy me. And I hope no one ever finds out about this or that I existed because this is the worst thing ever. I've seen it happen twice in my life and it is fucking scarred me forever. (laughs) For sure. Oh my gosh. Well, come on just a casual walk with us because both my dogs love human shit. I will not do that. (laughs) And they will find it everywhere. I love your dog. That's dogs. why. Yeah, I love yeah. your dog so much. But I, I don't know if I could ever look at them in the eye again if I saw them eating a poo. My dog and I got skunked together one one night. Uh, we went out to take the garbage out and it was sort of late. And we went around the corner of the house and I had the garbage and Eddie was trotting along behind me. <laughs> And there was a skunk right there and I froze because I know what that means. And, and Eddie was like. I'm going to bite it. And I was like, no. And the skunk, the skunk turned and I saw the tail go up. It was like in slow motion. And then I felt the, whatever the skunk shoots hit me. Oh, and then it was like my entire head. It wasn't even like it had stopped being smell and started being feeling. It was like being mentholated 
my whole head. Does it burn? Um, it didn't. It. I don't. I wouldn't say it burnt, but it's very like mentholy, like. Uh, well, before I don't even before we started recording, you were talking about how you, you used to eat earwax. Did it taste better than <laughs> earwax? <laughs> yeah, I would say that. <laughs> On a scale of zero to earwax. Uh, no, that's a uh, for listeners. That's a lie. He, well, he was robot was asking me if I if I knew what earwax tasted like, and I said no. Why do you know what earwax tastes like? And he said, I think that I just think I'd know what it tastes like because of the way that it smells. But this <laughs> opens up a whole host of other questions because, like, what the fuck are you doing? Then he admitted that he's the kid that gets something terrible on his finger and he smells it and gets disgusted and then makes sure that it's disgusting by smelling <laughs> it again. Again, yeah. something I don't do. Again. Yeah. Smelling again. it again. But I, I had nightmares about being skunked. For a while, after that, you know, it all, was terrible. All animals have uh, anal anal glands. You know, kind of. I think that's how skunk yep. skunk glands work. And I've never been skunked. Uh, I did scare my ex's cat. We we're trying to shave her pants. She's a Maine Coon. You got to shave around their butthole so then get all crusty. Dingleberries. Yeah, and so she didn't like getting her pants shaved at all, and she shot anal sack fluid on the wall and it was <laughs> it <laughs> fucked me up and still i'm a, I'm a broken man <laughs> so this is one of the worst episodes we've ever done already and i just want to say i just want to say that steve like fully earwax shamed me before we got on the mic but then he's gonna tell this story about getting shot with cat anal gland stuff but i didn't do it willingly I mean, it wasn't, it was just a response. You were talking about getting skunked, and I, I wanted to... You were all to... like, earwax? Ew, gross. You cl clutched your pearls? Not like I um, made the cat squirt me on purpose so that I could... You angrily shut your credenza, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. You were really, you were really uppity with me about it before talking about anal glands. <laughs> gleefully, just gleefully talking about anal glands. <laughs> I'm an emotional mess today. I can't be held accountable. Uh, Amanda, you're bringing the worst out in us. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm My, happy to be right. a witness to this. Uh, Get back to the question, Steve. Please. We have serious work to do. Oh, fuck. The, the, that story made me sweat. Um, <laughs> so you recently really... Uh, you, so you like Asheville? Asheville's pretty great. You got creeks to play in. <laughs> Have you found the people that make the um, that make the off-road lawnmowers? No, I haven't, and the and I haven't put a lot of effort into it because I feel like I need to soup up a lawnmower or something, or at least like be attempting to before I I, I contact them. I don't. Do you, if that makes any sense. You know, but I want to be their friends badly. Do you know about this this community robot? There's a there's a community of people that make like lifted rock crawler lawnmower vehicles like the like monster, old. like the mini monster truck you were talking about. But these are homemade. These are homemade and they're like old, just lawnmowers, like riding lawnmowers. And they turn them into rock crawlers and they go and do these like rock crawl up 
creeks and streams and stuff together. It is goddamn beautiful. I want to be yes. friends with those people as well. I want you know, to be I, friends with those people. I grew up in Alabama, and um, I actually went to summer camp at uh, uh, very near Asheville in Tuxedo and spent uh, my formative outdoorsiness was at, at on Mount Pisgah in the forest there. Um, and it is a beautiful thing. But having grown up in Alabama, I am... S- I feel this like simultaneous um, repulsion attraction for the South. You know, like I found it very stifling growing up. Uh, but then there are people making lifted riding lawnmowers. <laughs> yeah, you might not. Have, you might not have gotten in with the. You know, you were looking for a different community. Yeah, I feel like I hear about that and I want to run into it. Like um, it's a UFO that's landed <laughs> and there's a bright light and I just want to. <laughs> I see it, mama. And I just go running in. (laughs) Oh, shit. And then I just got probes in my butthole. But anyway, um, what I wanted to talk to you about, uh, because I only consume you via Instagram, is that it it, certainly in your Kona days, you were constantly, constantly on the road. And... It looked like you had friends everywhere and that there was a whole lot of fun. Um, and I imagine that it was that it, you do have friends everywhere. Like I traveled for bike industry stuff and I have friends in bike shops everywhere and it's great. But I also have like it is that attraction repulsion thing also where you're like, I want to go have stupid adventures, but I am so fucking tired of stupid adventures and I just want to be home. <laughs> What, what how do you how do you process that experience well the stupid adventures will are, are not over because that's a huge part of my job is doing a lot of events um like this weekend i'll be going to rome fest in knoxville and there's a whole bunch of like exciting things that i'll get to go do the nice part about it is i don't have to do sales trips with them and that was that was kind of the the harder part I think of, of being on the road all of the time is it was, it wasn't just, just doing an event. It was oftentimes like 10 to 15 days of just being on and being in bike shop after bike shop and having like the same conversation. Um, but and relate. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think like outwardly, I very much, you know, I'm an extrovert until I'm not, I guess is what I'm saying. And so even on like, when I go on a trip, um, for an extended trip. And I always try to work in like one day where it's pretty casual. It's pretty minimal. Maybe I, I don't even go visit. Like I wouldn't even go see a shop. And like, I, I was, was pretty normal for me to have just an entire day where I'd be in a hotel room and I would draw those, the dark shades and I wouldn't leave it. And I would just like order food to the room and I would sit on my laptop and like only answer work emails. And otherwise I would like no screen time, like nothing. And I would take like a long shower and lay in bed and just kind of like lay on my back and like not say anything. And so it's like, that's kind of how I like, I recoup and I still do that. I still, it's still something that I, that I do. I just kind of like, I, it just becomes really clear to me. It's like, I have a lot of energy and I'm in it. And then when I'm not, I'm like, Oh, there it is. It's time for me to go take care of myself. It's time for me to, I always say like, okay, I I need my cups empty. I need to go refill my cup. And oftentimes that does look like 
the exact opposite of how I am. Um, and it's me just shutting a door and you go all Howard Hughes, like blackout shades and long yeah. fingernails and like, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll even tell my partner like, Hey, I'm going, I'm going to go shut the door. And it's like, he gives me like a thumbs up. He's like, all right, cool. And I'm like, I don't even want the dogs to bother me. Like I want to just be left alone. And it usually it's like, you know, just like an afternoon or a whole day or, or something like that. And so that's like, that's, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of how I like. You and I've talked yeah. about, you and I've talked about that before. And I think the question that I always had was what happens if you're find yourself in a situation where you're out of gas, but you, there's still stuff expected of you there's still you need to still be on stage or engaging um what happens what happens then do you just kind of fake it till you can get a place to unplug oh, i usually eat some mushrooms <laughs> perfect answer if i'm being honest yeah like, <laughs> I, that is, I know that, that I'm not just saying that to be like, oh yeah, I'd like do drugs. It's more of a, like, sincerely, I've, I've had moments where days and, you know, where it's like, you're going on your like third or fourth day of an event or anything like that. And, um, I've like utilized like micro dosing, um, mushrooms as like my way where I'm just like, okay, fuck, I have to talk to a whole bunch of people. I have to be like on all, all again and do it all over again. And it feels very like overwhelming. and um i'll microdose some mushrooms and it's about 45 minutes later i've like suddenly forgot that i'm tired and that i you know and i don't and i forget that i've I've had the same conversation and i'm like stoked to be talking to somebody about the same thing all over again and so it's that's it that is very interesting i have that Mm -hmm. i have that experience of being on the road and doing a bunch of shop visits i i think the best Like you, I would always on any trip, I would try to plan like, oh, that afternoon, I'm going to go ride bikes in this place as a reward to myself. And I might be alone or I might be with some friends, but it's going to be chill and I'm not going to be like yapping the company line. Even, you know, I love the company line and I love the company and I've, I've, you know, you're into what you do, but there is a goddamn limit. There is. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I was just, I was just curious because your trips all look very fun. Yeah. And, and for the most part they are. And it usually, it usually isn't until I'm home that I'm like, okay, whew, I got to like reset and recharge. Um, and oftentimes like it even looks like if, it, it will be more than 20, you know, 24 hours. It'll be like the whole week. Like I'll have friends be like, so where have you been? I haven't heard from you. You kind of dropped off the face of the planet. And, and I, and I tend to do that. Cause, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, because I was just kind of going through like a recharge episode where I was like, I just can't, I can't be social right now. Like for, for me and for my mental health and for my body, like I just have to like take a step. I just have to take a step back. And, and I'm also, just like that, but four days a week. <laughs> what were you? Oh, and I just, I've also gotten a lot better about um, sharing where I'm at with people. I think for a long time, like I thought it was to be like vulnerable, I guess, or anything like that. Like I, I've, I didn't like it. Like I had to push through and charge and always put this like face on that was like, Oh, I can handle this. I can do it. I can do anything. And I realized that that was like actually really extremely damaging and it was spreading. I was spreading myself out way too thin and I was suffering from it. And my friendships were suffering from it. I think Steve and I even at one point had a conversation about this. Like he even told me, he's like, Hey, like 
you've not been a very, a very good friend. Like you've not been very present in this friendship. Um, and together we kind of like broke it down. And I, I remember that being like a very important conversation because I think that when we had that, I can, I can see it. I was like sitting on my bedroom floor and we were just getting in the weeds about it. And from there is when kind of tried my best to put these like practices in of just saying it, of just being like, I can't, I don't have the energy I'm resting. I, I'm, I can't show up. I don't have the capacity for that. And that's also been a, a pretty, a pretty incredible tool as well. Um, I can see like it vocalizing be, it gives it a lot of power. I'd see it be a kind of a pitfall of having, you have a really strong personality and you, you are, you know, when you're on, you're this force of nature. And when people, you are, you tend to be so welcoming and so engaging and you do that so much of the time that when you drop out, it's, everybody's kind of left like, what, where'd the party go? You, you know? And I would, I would guess that trying to find that balance between being on constantly and then suddenly needing like an immediate recharge while trying to maintain your relationship at home and trying to maintain your relationship with your friends and then trying to maintain professional relationships. That's got to be a really tricky balance to, to strike. Yeah. And that's, that's where that like communication piece comes in is, you know, sometimes it's just as much as being like, look, I don't, I got big feelings and I don't, I don't know what exactly what they are. And I, I don't really, I kind of don't really know what's going on, but what I do know is I need to, I need to be left alone, you know, or just sometimes it's not even that, like I've gotten better about saying like, I need something, but I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know what I need, but I know I need something like I'm, I'm spinning out here. And that has just being able to even say that out loud has been so incredibly helpful. And it's, I think it also helps the people around me because I can get really like wound up and like, I I'm like a pressure cooker <laughs> and, and I just kind of like blow my top sometimes and make an ass out of myself. And I've just like, I've learned that by trying to put all of these little practices in place, it like, it has drastically decreased the amount of times that I just kind of like explode, you know, and it's, and it just comes down to just being like, can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> you know, cause I used to want to do everything. I couldn't, I never said no. I said yes to everything. Cause I thought it would be like weak if I, if I said no, because I was tired or I was burnt out or anything like that. Yeah. I have this exact experience, you know, uh, I've had a bunch of jobs and, and like maybe the role I play in my family too, is kind of like performative. Uh, where you go out and you're sort of your most bombastic self and your most you put out all your charisma. Um, and I think a lot of people who don't know me very well perceive me as that sort of extroverted, like, oh, no, this is how you are. And I'm like, no, actually, when that's done, I'm fucking exhausted and I go home and the recharging part is entirely alone. And I dread that performance. <laughs> I mean, I think you, it, maybe it comes more naturally to you, but um, I dread the performance. I have to go out and do it. It's uh, funny that you say dread the performance, because I don't know that I actually ever thought of it like that. Because, I, like I said, Rome Fest is coming up. 
And I was driving with my my husband, Zach, and he was like, oh, are you excited? And I was like, oh, you know, it's just the usual thing like this. The lead up the week before I'm like, fuck, I kind of don't really want to go. Oh, I'm stressed out. Oh, I'm going to be gone all weekend. But then once I'm there, you know, I'll, I'll have the best time and I'll come home all lit up and on fire. And so it's interesting what you just said of just being like dreading the performance. And I'm like, is that what that is? Like, am I just kind of like, oh, OK, I have to like I'm preparing to show up and be like. Ta-da! <laughs> I think it's both things because I have the experience. I dread it because I know I'm going to put out kilowatts, right? I go do a bike event or I go do a trade show or whatever. And you know that you're, you know, you got to represent your company or you got to do whatever. So you put out all the energy and it's exhausting. Um, and it is, there's a lot of good, like when you put out that kind of energy, people b- put energy back in so it's it is fun and it is like rewarding in its way ultimately for me it's and i do it but it 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 where it it's it's costs can you imagine can you imagine being like working for a company where you because i think all three of us in any engagement that we have it is it is some part that's true to ourselves instead of like we work for a PVC distribution company and let's talk about plastics, you know, where you're like, where you really have to toe the line for the company and maybe you don't have anything like invested emotionally or personally invest in the company that you work for. They're just signing your checks. So while on one hand, yeah, it is, it is super tiring, but it's just, I don't know what, where I'm going with that. Maybe it, you just get to a point where you're like, I just, I'm just tired of being extra me. I want to be quiet me instead of being I've yeah. been the generic salesperson for five days. At least we have a little bit of room to breathe where we can get into a little bit of, you know, standard fuckery is almost expected from us. Yeah, I think that I think there's a certain level of evangelism, you know, because we all do work that we believe in and we work for companies that we believe in. So there's extra motivation to, like, do a good job. And the reason we work for the companies we work for is because they do good, honest work. And so you want to be part of that, like, this is what I represent. This is, but again, it's putting out the kilowatts. That energy has to come from somewhere and it has to be replaced somehow. Yeah. Yep. Going as swimming, doing swimming laps. Self-care is in. Self-care is in. I repeat, self-care is in. It's hot. Oh, you know what I learned last week is that playing with remote control trucks is also considered self-care. Yeah. It's the activity, anything like the going back to that refilling of your cup. Yeah. I'm about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Whatever it takes. Is that what that movie Two Girls, One Cup is about? Anyway. Um... I, um, yeah, don't, uh, it's not funny. Damn, the we old, got, the we old got, days uh, of where like are we YouTube. In this, where, where are we in this thing? Do we have time? Well, we probably need to get to the would you rather pretty quickly here. Oh, the other question, uh, well, just asking real quickly and you don't have to answer it, but unless you have like a one sentence answer, what's wrong with the bike industry? How can we fix it? You have. I don't think that's a one. It's not a one second answer. (laughs) The ah man. Yeah. That that's a really big one. I don't know that I could do that in thirty 
seconds. You got 30, um, you got 30 seconds. I'm going to propose a, a bunch an of answer. Jabronis. <laughs> I was just going to propose the problem with the bike industry is dudes, and the way to fix it is less dudes. Dudes like men yeah, or dudes just, like bros? There's I think there's too many dudes. Too many dudes. Too many dudes. There's uh, too many dudes. The proportions in the recipe are all wrong. Yeah. Yeah, they're just. It's just like get out. It's it's just like get out of the way. Like it's fine. It's okay. Like let things let things change. Let things be. Like make more room. Make more space. Like that's the thing for me. Is like by making more room and space for someone else. It's not. It's not. Nothing is being taken away from you. Nothing's being taken away from you. And I think that that like it's just that's it. You know what I mean? I'm just just get out of the way and stop thinking that you're going to lose something because you're not you're not going to lose anything. And in fact, by letting more people in, it is going to make the whole thing that is like bikes way better. I think you just I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I'm a deep, deep thinker as you've. Uh, but uh, I, I, what you just said, I think, is the answer kind of to everything that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Just like let people have their fucking space. Yes. And and it doesn't mean you don't get your space. You still get the same space. You just let them also have space. And if you yeah. don't if you don't like if you don't like what this other sect is doing. You know, I think about like this whole gaggle of totally wound up nazis that showed up to some drag brunch and i'm like yeah well who am i to say that they shouldn't except they're it, it's fucking hateful and useless and if you don't like the fact that there's a drag brunch sit at home and stew about it you cannot like the yeah. fact that there's a drag brunch but showing yeah. up with swastika uh flags and all this other nonsense it's just like they're not doing anything that affects your life one way yeah. or the other just have your own hate brunch. Have your you own guys, hate brunch. Have your, have own, your own hate, hate brunch. brunch. Yeah, leave the other people to their own. There's room for all the brunches. There's room for all the brunches. Uh, yeah. And I think yeah, you're absolutely right in as far as the bike industry goes. There's just too, there's a lot of gatekeeping. Yeah. And less of that. More allowing everybody to have some idea and everybody to have a seat at the table. I think it's great. So actually, you Nice work, Amanda. Solved it. Solved it. Like we always do. <laughs> Solved it. Okay. Yeah, put me on the spot. I was like, ah, I gotta <laughs> say something. <laughs> oh, you did great. You worked. That, that worked out real well. Uh, okay, so the last one is, would you rather, 57 minutes in, uh, would you rather re-experience your birth, uh, say, you know, the half hour before you came into this world, and the half hour after, uh, assuming with your brain currently, so you would be cognizant of every, all of the sensations, the smells, the sights, the sounds, uh, or experience your eventual death in the same time frame. So you would see half an hour, you'd live your life up until your death, your death, and then a half an hour after. But then you'd come back to to you currently, right? Am I, do I have that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it's basically you're having that hour, the half hour on either side of the major event, <laughs> You're just being conscious of it. Now, you don't you don't get born and you're like, Mom, what's up? Because you can talk because whatever. But you just have a, a you get to, to view it, see it. And after you view it and see it and you return back to like yourself, are you conscious of what you viewed and saw? 
yep. moving forward with your life. That's something yep. that you're going to carry with you forever. Just similarly to, to, you know, th- this, what you did this morning, like it would be as I think I would recognize, I think I would want, I think I would want to experience my birth. I don't think I want to live my life knowing what happened, how after I died. And I thought about that. And and so but what I think is attractive about the death proposition is you get the half hour after. Now, that may be what you find out is that half hour is completely blank. You have it actually is nothing. But it gives you an answer to a question that may positively inform how you live the rest of your life. I, would, I just also it's like I feel like you're also getting into what could turn into like a profit, if that makes sense. Like I just like having that kind of information and being able to go through the world with that kind of information and sharing it with people and like being like, no, I've seen it. I've had this claim. Does that make sense? Like then it, everyone's going to have this fucking crazy no matter what sort, sort of, but like some people will give you like that, will give you that power. And I don't, and I don't know how you would go through the rest of your life knowing that and having that and like not trying to influence something potentially good or bad. But I, does that make sense? Amanda, you are already a prophet. People are already <laughs> looking at you going, now what should I do? What would Amanda do? <laughs> you have the responsibility. What are you going to do with it? I would I argue that I would... I'd argue that the half an hour after death was going to be exactly the same as the half an hour, half an hour before birth. We're just doing loops. Oh, you think so? Yeah. Reincarnation style. That's what. Yep. Yeah, that's where my brain was like, oh, so we're getting reincarnated now. Okay. But you wouldn't know because you can only do one or the other. You'd see that. You'd see that whatever happens after death. The bright light that everybody's experiencing is actually the birth canal. Oh. I'm wow. gonna choose Whoa. death. <laughs> 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 I'd say I'll I'm, say I'd say death. Because it's way closer to me than birth. And also I don't you know, I've had an intimate relationship with my mom's birth canal once. And it's okay that I don't remember that. <laughs> what do you think earwax tastes like? Though? Um, so I, the thing is that both of them are going to be hectic, right? Like getting born is hectic. Oh. You're all like in there. You're all in there, like ah, oh, everything's great. And then maybe the wa- your your the water breaks, and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know but what if what if you have just like a a very violent death? Oh, facts. A uh, good point. I like, mean, what if you have like a very violent death, and like you and like how do you like really? How do you think you would live your life knowing that like? That's how you're going to die. Like to me that I would hate to live the rest of my life knowing that, like knowing that it could be some like crazy car accident where I'm in an incredible amount of pain, but I can't verbalize anything to anybody or I'm in a coma for like five years or something. I don't know. You know, it's like I would 
that's, I think that's where it went is like, I, I think I'd rather move forward with my life, understanding like life from the inside out being like in, you know, your mother. And then, then knowing like, oh my God, like my life comes to such a horrible, tragic end. Man, I didn't think about that. I was like, and then I thought, what if a half an hour before you actually die, you're, you're getting like mauled by a bunch of gorillas <laughs> and they're breaking well, every, and you're like, this is fucking terrible. And you have, yeah. Yeah. And you like, yeah, and then you die. And then after I that, think, like, then it's, then you're just chilling. Cause it doesn't matter. But yeah, like I didn't even think, I was just thinking about like, oh, you're laying in bed and you're just being old. Okay. I changed I my think, answer. I, I'd be born. I'm still going to choose death. I think I think both experiences will be traumatic. Right? I think both experiences will be traumatic. I think the likelihood of dying violently is low. You don't hang no, out with Steve, gorillas. Steve, Steve, Steve. <laughs> you don't go where I go. <laughs> I was thinking, like, getting... I mean, you we, got... would all, we would all hope so, that it wouldn't be, like, anything horrible, but that's the but that's the dice you roll. Yeah. Yeah, I just think, I just think knowing what that half hour like, after death is... Is more enticing than... It, yeah. I think I kind of know what birth is like. I don't. But I, I think it's easier to inhabit the experience of it, based on your life experience, whereas... The post-death experience, and again, maybe it's complete blackness. I, that's actually what I believe, that it's just nothing. It's um, just done. But but having that question answered uh, definitively, I don't know, maybe it's like, well, I mean, what comes next is nothing. So, I'm going to eat the chimichanga. Okay, okay, I changed my answer again. I'll, I'll go back to death. <laughs> Um, you know, I heard a story. I don't remember who told me this. And if maybe it's like an urban legend, maybe it's, a, it's like Mikey eating the pop rocks and Coke and his stomach explodes kind of a situation. But somebody told me at some point that they had a baby, a newborn or their friend had a baby and there was, they had a toddler, you know, like a little three-year-old or something. And they had a, a nanny can, not a nanny can, but like a little speaker, a little walkie talkie in the, in the nursery. And they heard the toddler, the little one, talking to the baby who's newborn. And they said, would you tell me what it was like before I'm starting to forget? And and that what? just, I wish that I remembered. Wow. I wish that I remembered who told me this story. And I just thought that, like, you know, maybe it's just a little kid being fantastic and whimsical and weird. But how do you know that you don't come into the world fully informed you just can't articulate any of it and then you learn this new language and you knew learn this new way of communicating but you have a totally developed uh uh perspective and perception coming out it's just not applicable because you can't form words um so that was where i was going i don't know fuck i'll take both of them <laughs> it, no uh I do like, also, there's a book called Proof of Heaven that was written by a neuro, no, it was written by a neurosurgeon who got meningitis in his brain. Somehow, you can't get a meningitis if you don't have your skull open to it. 
and he died and then he came back and he wrote this whole book about his experiences uh having having died and he's like i'm a man of science my dad was a man of science i come from very logical thinking i don't get in all this fucking woo woo shit and the trumpets and the angels and and he's like but this is all stuff that i experienced after he'd been declared dead so in a way i don't think it matters what's right or what's wrong i think it matters what you believe completely i don't and i have a lot of beliefs mostly i have lack of beliefs if i'm honest but you know i've got a lot of beliefs but they're all of them are hedged all of those are hedged bets even the ones i'm really really sure on i'm not that i mean what i'm an idiot you know i've been so wrong so often even today anything is possible your perception is how you, I mean, it's all, it's all variable. I mean, my perception, my perspective, perspective of how the world looks, what colors look like, it's my truth, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the truth, right? So, you know, going through life, looking at things like that, like everything is, uh, everything is maybe, everything's a big fucking maybe. So wait, you're, t- you're picking death, Amanda's picking birth, I'm flipping you're a the, coin. You're the toss up. Uh, fuck. Amanda, we are tremendously full of shit, and that is why no one listens to our podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna go back to. No, I'm sticking yeah, with no. birth. All You're right. sticking with birth. We're an hour ten, give or take. I feel like this is a competition, and Amanda just won. All right, take us out. Thank you so much for being with us, Amanda. <laughs> Thank you, Amanda. I love you dearly. It's really nice to see your face. Um, and thanks for listening to Revolting. If you haven't subscribed to the Cycling Independent or dropped a few bucks in the tip jar, there I, I can't even with you right now. Mm-hmm. You're like the person who listens to the guy play all the fucking Pink Floyd covers in the subway and just walks away when their train comes. Don't be that person. And we won't play any fucking Pink Floyd covers. So on behalf of the Cycling Independent and the Revolting Podcast, I'm Steve Will. I'm Robot. And that's Amanda. I'm Amanda. Yeah! <laughs> 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 <laughs>